0: And How many have enjoyed this series the last three weeks? It's been a teaching series. Again, I'm going to get into it again this morning, continuing the teaching on the tribulation, tribulation time. How many remember the connection question we had this morning was, how long is that great tribulation that the Bible mentioned? Does anybody know that this morning? Seven years right seven years long is what the Bible says about a, a great tribulation so that's a time period that you and I don't want to be here for and we're going to get into that and so there's a lot of information that we want to cover this morning if you have a if you don't have a handout raise your hand an usher sure will get one to you this morning so let's pray this morning let's ask God's blessing upon his word Father God Lord we invite your presence here this morning Lord Lord. We open our hearts to receive Your Word. Father, I pray bring anointing to it. Um, give us understanding, Lord, of Your Word, Father. Lord, I just pray shed light upon Your Word this morning that uh, we would have a true and correct understanding of what Your Word is telling us in these last days. And Lord, we thank You for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Well, how many know that, again, as, as believers... Um, We need to know where we're going and how we're going to get there. and That's what I've been mentioning at the outset every week. We need to know where we're going. And as part of the end times that I believe we're living in, we need to know what we're going to be coming up against. The Bible explicitly gives us signs and directions on what to expect. Now, whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen whether you believe it or not this morning. How many know that? And here's the other side of that. We can't truly know the Lord unless we know His Word. We can't truly know the Lord unless we know His Word. That's why it's so important for those of you that um, come on Wednesday nights to our small groups. Let me encourage you. Come to get more of that spiritual formation and information so that you can be blessed, so that you can make wise choices for your family, for yourself. And God wants to truly bless you. And I know your desire is to know God, but you can't know Him unless you know His Word. So again, I want to encourage you to come on on Wednesday nights and be part of that. If you don't, uh, or if you miss a Sunday, go to soundcloud.com. Look up Pastor Rick M., all the sermons are on there. You can listen to them if you if you want to listen to it again. I go back and listen to it just so I can critique myself and, and I can go back and then listen to it and and better prepare the following sunday. So uh, Again, a recap of, of last week was we, we spoke about the rapture. The Judgment Seat of Christ and the uh, Wedding Supper, Marriage Supper of the Lamb, the Bible describes. And we talked about how we're all going to be taken up in the twinkling of an eye and the events that are going to be happening for the believer, for the believer. And the Bible at that time begins uh, to describe these seven years of great tribulation on this earth. And believe me, you do not want to be here for those judgments that are going to come upon this earth at that time. And that's really what I want to, what I want to speak on this morning about what's going to be happening. But the Bible does describe a great tribulation. It describes the armies of the world gathering against Israel, God's chosen people. And with modern events, and I'm going to touch on this here, you can see how easily this can happen, okay? It's not going to catch anybody by surprise, or at least it shouldn't. Right now, believers are being persecuted. Wouldn't you agree with that? Uh, throughout the world, we, and I'm not talking about here in the United States as a whole, we, we don't know what persecution is here. We really don't. I'm talking about in the Middle East. I'm talking about um, Pastor Sahid, who's been imprisoned for, for months and months on end. I'm talking about ISIS beheading Christians, and little ones as well, crucifying them. I'm talking about... Deadly persecution. We don't know that here. We don't face that. Although recently we had that shooting at the school where the gunman was asking people if they were Christians and then blowing them away. Well, they were standing up for their faith. And while that is a rare occurrence, I believe those types of, types of things are going to increase as as we go further into these end times. So God's holy word predicts that in these last days there will be wars, rumors of wars, there will be violence, there will be all kinds of things. I still believe there's going to be things that we haven't even seen yet that we're going to begin to experience here in this country. You know, We we think when we read the next school shooting, we think, man, that's bad, that's tragic. How much worse can it get? I believe it's going to get much worse. But in the Great Tribulation, it's going to be on another level, a whole nother level. So here's the great news as believers. We have great news. And I want to share this uh, three scriptures to you. It says in John 16, Jesus said this, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So no matter where you're at, the Lord is instructing you, take heart, hang in there. I've overcome the world for you. In uh, John chapter 14 verse 27 Jesus said the following peace I leave with you my peace I give you I do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid you know that's the thing that that can happen to us as believers we can become discouraged and afraid with the things that are going around us if we're not careful but God does not want you to live in fear. How many know that this morning? He didn't give you a spirit of fear. He, he gave you a spirit to overcome. You're more than a conqueror, the Bible says. You are through His Spirit. Amen? God is our refuge and our strength and our ever-present help in trouble. Amen? In all things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And so when you take all these scriptures that the Lord left us, The Lord gave us to hold on to. We can endure these last days. 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us that there is no temptation that is going to take you or overtake you. That you can't handle it. You know, the, the Holy Spirit knows what you can handle. How many know that? That you can get to that point where you're going like, Okay, Lord, I don't know how much more of this I can handle. And it just seems that the Lord takes you to that point, and then it's released, right? And Anybody been there like me? You You've been taken to that level that you didn't think you could manage or handle, because that's because God knows what you can and cannot handle. He will not give you more than you can handle. So guess what? If, if you're handling a lot, He thinks a lot of you. He thinks you can handle it. He thinks you're more than a conqueror today. So continue to stand strong. Continue to trust in Him. Amen? So no matter what's going around, around us, there should be peace in our spirit and in our soul as a believer. But that's not the case with the unbeliever. Gregory this morning, in his testimony about his dad, Shared that his dad was fearful, and he has he has shared that with me before. He's fearful. He should be. He's fearful of death, and of dying without knowing God. Let's take care of that here while we have that opportunity. Amen. We need to remember this. Remember the the scripture verse we had up this morning, James five eight. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. And again, my point is not like last week or the week before. My point is not to scare you. That's not my point at all. My point this morning in teaching you this series is, is just showing you what the Lord's Word is declaring in terms of the last days. So, in regards to that scripture I just read, we hold on to that promise. We know the Lord is coming, but we need to be patient and stand firm. That means not retreating, that means stand firm. When you're in the military and they tell you to stand firm, that means there's no retreating right there. You cannot go back. You stand firm. And as believers, that's what the Lord wants for each of you. Stand firm. You're facing spiritual battles this morning? Stand firm. You're facing issues in relationship? You got bad neighbors? Stand firm. Right? Stand firm. God wants you to stand firm and not retreat. So let's go into your outline. The central person is Jesus Christ in, in the book of Revelation. We cannot lose focus of that. Yes, it discusses these end time events, but the central focus is Jesus Christ and Him coming back as King of Kings. But verse 1 tells us this in Revelation chapter 1. It says, The revelation from Jesus Christ. This is Jesus Christ giving us His a revelation of things to come things to come for you and I to be prepared to be aware to know so that none of us here would be without a an answer without a reason for for what's to come amen are you aware that once the rapture happens that the lord's spirit is gone his presence is no longer here on this world on this earth his presence is now removed so when that rapture happens as as our little video kind of played that um, that the rapture had taken place God's presence is no longer there I don't know about you but I don't want to be in this place if God's presence is no longer here can you imagine the turmoil that's going to occur the crime, the sin, the wars the, the violence that will be going on at that time you think it's bad now Oh, we're, we're talking a whole different level at that time. So again, true believers will escape God's tribulation judgments. And the Bible talks about these 21 judgments that we're going to mention. Um, And these judgments are for the inhabitants of the earth at that time, because what really happens at that time is they've turned their back completely on the Lord. They're saying, I don't want to have nothing to do with you, God. I've heard it, but I don't want to have nothing to do with you. And God pours out these 21 judgments upon the earth at that time. The seven years that follow will not be an easy task or a pleasant time to endure for anybody that's left behind. Now, the Bible does mention that, that there will be people that will somehow make it through and, and uh, become believers, but it says at the expense of them losing their head, being beheaded. The Bible talks about that. And, and that fits right in with our current uh, world events of what's going on with believers in the Middle East. They're being beheaded. They're being beheaded. And uh, that's the way they execute people. They don't shoot them, they behead them. That's a a sad reality. And the Bible, again, written over 2,000 years ago, predicted that would occur in the last days. So why did did we get this revelation? Well, point number two, the clear purpose is a revelation of Jesus to His servants, to you. Everybody say, I'm a servant of Jesus. I'm a servant of Jesus. That's what you are. And this message is directed to you. Verse, uh, uh, The first few verses in Revelation say this, "...which God gave to him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John." Verse 2, "...who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ." Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. Because the time is near. Everybody say, near. The time is near. The time is near. Jesus wants you to know His time is near. The Lord desires that we know what his will is what his word is declaring in these last days during the Great Tribulation why does he want you to know what we're gonna face if we're not even gonna be here because he wants you to get this he wants you to know that that loved one that doesn't know the Lord yet that co-worker that person that doesn't know Jesus Christ is gonna go through this tribulation unless someone shares the gospel with them see we all have that power of choice we still have that power of choice God wants you to know what's going to take place. Amen? So let me describe to you a few of the major figures in in the tribulation. Again, this is a a teaching and and you need to really know this is what's going to happen. The Bible talks in the book of Revelation as well as in the book of Daniel where we get a lot of these prophecies and I, I didn't include even a, a tenth of these, we'd be here for weeks. Right, Brother Ed? We, we'd be here for weeks in covering this material. This is just a little snapshot of the Great Tribulation. But the Bible mentions a, a, an unholy triad. You know how we have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity that we believe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Well, The enemy, Satan, has an unholy triad. It's called Satan, the Antichrist, and the False Prophet. Those three figures are mentioned prominently in the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel. In fact, in the Old Testament book of Daniel, as well as in the book of Revelations, we get many of the references for these last days, including up to the Battle of Armageddon. So... As, as born-again believers, were familiar with the Holy Trinity. Well, I want you to know that Satan will always be an imitator of the Lord. He always tries to copy what, what the Lord does. Have you noticed that? For every good thing, there's a counterfeit. There's a counterfeit. There's a counterfeit gospel out there right now. There's, there's counterfeit gospels being preached today in other places. People that will rise up and, and declare themselves to be Jesus... Have you heard people like this? They declare to be Jesus, or you know, the Son of God, or the Messiah, um, God Himself. You hear about these things in our day and age today. Not only did it occur 2,000 years ago, it's still occurring today. And those are the people that you need to run as quickly as possible from. Amen? So... Satan will be the force behind the Antichrist. Going back to these three figures. The Antichrist will be a, a man, the Bible says. Some scholars believe it it possibly may be a Jewish person himself that will be raised. Other people believe he could be a, a, a political figure. But at any rate, Satan himself will be in possession of this man, will be controlling everything this man does. And then along with that, There's the false prophet that is basically the Antichrist's right-hand man. The false prophet will be a religious figure that the Bible describes that will have this power to persuade people to believe what comes out of the mouth of the Antichrist. So the false prophet and the Antichrist in the last days will be doing miracles as well. The Bible tells us that, that there are false, counterfeit miracles that will take place that even the people that are there that see these things will be deceived. They'll be deceived. And because if we go back to the very beginning, what was Satan's trip? What was his main mission? It was to be like God. Remember he wanted to be like God in heaven? And, and ultimately God kicked him out and a third of the angels. But thank God we have our Heavenly Father and two-thirds of the angels. Amen? So we win at the end. But here's the thing. Satan has always wanted to be like God. In the book of Isaiah, he, he's mentioned and described with the personal pronoun, I. I will ascend up into heaven. I will. And it goes on for five times. Satan himself is mentioning that, that he wants to be like God. And that's been his number one mission ever since he got uh, kicked out of heaven. And so in the tribulation, that's his goal. His goal is twofold, to be like God and to destroy Israel. That's his other mission, to destroy God's chosen people that the Bible talks about. So again, anti Antichrist, meaning against, and Christ, obviously Christ, so he's against Christ, he's against God. He stands for the complete opposite of what the Bible, uh, the virtues and, and the goodness and the holiness of God, he stands for the complete opposite of that. So he sets himself up like God in the tribulation. So at the beginning of this tribulation, of these seven years, do we still have the, uh, that um, map, the timeline? we can put that up. So now we're looking at the, right after the rapture, the yellow arrow here on my uh, chart, right next to that is the tribulation, seven years. That's what I'm talking about today. That's the period we're focusing on. The Antichrist, the Bible says, will make a peace covenant with the country of Israel. Okay, now let me take a step back. Where are we at right now in time? Right now, we have every single country that's around Israel wanting to annihilate and blow Israel off the map. Anybody heard that? Read that? Aware of that? Every one of them, Iran, Iraq, they've all tried to annihilate Israel. Now Russia has combined with Syria and um, they are bombing, bomb—or excuse me, they've combined with Iran and bombing in Syria. That is right next door to Israel. I see these things happening, I'm going like, okay, all this is unfolding exactly as you planned it. So um, why I mentioned Russia is, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but the Bible does mention this country of Gog and Magog. Most Bible scholars will tell you today that was a reference at that time to future Russia. The peoples of that area come down, the Bible says, against Russia the the country of Israel to destroy it the Bible predicted that well over two thousand years ago and here we are we're beginning to see the unfolding of that and so at the beginning again of the tribulation the Antichrist who's gonna be a, a figure that everybody's gonna look to and he's gonna step out of nowhere the Bible says he's gonna come out of nowhere and people are gonna look to him as a leader and he's gonna make a peace covenant with Israel. He's going to say, hey, all is good. I don't want to have war with you. He's going to step in and make everything sound beautiful. And they're going to sign this treaty with him. How many know that treaties don't work? Peace treaties don't work? They, they're continually broken. Well, he's going to try to declare a peace treaty with Israel. And the Bible says for the first three and a half years, there is peace with Israel. There's peace. But the last three and a half years. Are God's judgment upon the world at that time, and we're going to get into that. So, here's another thing that you need to know about this Antichrist. During this time period, right at the uh, towards the middle of the of the tribulation, three and a half year apart, he suffers. The Bible describes a major, a fatal wound, a head wound. He gets shot. Apparently, somebody shoots him, takes him out, and Satan. The Bible says, brings them back to life, okay? He is, he is trying to duplicate the same plan. How many recognize this with God the Father sending his son to the cross and then resurrecting him? Satan is trying to do the very same thing in the last days. So he raises him back up to the unbelief of the world at that time. And the Bible says at this time then he sets himself in the Holy of Holies in the temple the Jewish temple and he declares himself the Antichrist to be God he himself says now uh, I've been raised I want to declare to the world that I'm God and that's the beginning of all the troubles and all the things that are going to be going on in the world at that time in terms of violence so Again, the Bible says the Antichrist will exalt himself over everything. And he wants to be worshipped. He commands worship. He, he doesn't just desire it. At this point now, he's commanding it. In fact, this is where... Um, well, I'll wait on that. So, um, he, he proclaims himself to be God. That ultimately was his goal. But here's the, here's the other side. Where God, his presence, has been removed. But how many know that Even though God's presence is gone from there, He still has a plan. He still has a plan. There's this mention of 144,000. Anybody ever heard that term? It's not talking about just 144,000 that are going to heaven, because the Bible clearly tells us there are millions of people in heaven. It actually describes that. It's a number that no man could number. But what it's telling us about 144,000 is that they're from the 12 tribes of Israel. So there will be... 144,000 israel jewish people that will become born-again believers that will buy into this uh, idea that jesus christ is the messiah like you and i they will then begin to evangelize and spread the gospel even though god's presence isn't here god's presence has been removed but god still has a plan God always has a plan. He never leaves you nor forsakes you, but He does have a plan. So they begin to spread that gospel. But again, I want you to get how hard that's going to be. There's no Holy Spirit speaking to you, encouraging you, strengthening you, loving you. It's gone. So it's going to be extremely hard. But those 144,000 begin to preach the Word of God. F- during the first three and a half years of the tribulation, after that f- first three and a half years, it doesn't mention them any longer because then that's when Satan begins to take over and destroy this this world. So, again, in addition to these characters, there's the two witnesses. Okay, I'm just going to try to hit all these significant personalities that are mentioned in the Great Tribulation. So these two individuals will be on a mission from God. They speak god 's truth for three and a half years of the tri- of the tribulation and then, in Revelation chapter eleven, it tells us the Antichrist will kill them because they 're preaching god 's word and many Bible scholars believe those two witnesses could possibly be Elijah and Moses, Elijah because he was taken up into heaven. And and also the fact that when Jesus was at the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah and Moses were with him, and the disciples saw them. So many think that it could be Elijah and Moses coming back to this earth. I mean that just gives me the heebie jeebies, just thinking about that, right? And and seeing them, you know, they're preaching God's word in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. They're preaching in Jerusalem and for three and a half years and then Satan takes them out and the Bible says their bodies lie on the streets for three days lie on the streets and CNN and all the news of that time will be portraying that you'll see their bodies on the street the Bible says for three days but then God our God raises them up raises them back up and they begin to do miracles in front of the people. The nation begins to see this. And, I, I, you know, it just, it's just amazing what's going to be happening in the Great Tribulation. So those are the two witnesses. Now, now I want to talk about probably the most common thing that you've heard at this time. One of the two common things, which is the number 666. How many have heard of that number in the past, right? Most of us have heard that. Well, this is all about the one money system so going back to the Antichrist he wants complete control of this world he wants to be like God but he wants to control you that's his ultimate goal to control you and how he's gonna do that is financially money see he's, he's she's sharp he knows what he's doing don't ever underestimate your opponent okay Satan don't ever underestimate him God is greater with God we can do all things But don't ever underestimate your opponent. And so here's what I'm trying to say is that in the Bible, in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 17, it says that we will be forced to take the mark of the beast. And that mark, the Bible says, is the number 666. So somehow, and I was just watching this last night in preparation studying there's there's a thing called the vera chip that they've actually used in in other people. They've experimented implanting a chip under your forehand. So the Bible says it'll be your right forehand. Right here. Or the forehead. That's what the Bible says. That they will be implanting that chip and that chip apparently will have all your financial information and we, you won't need any cash. You won't need any credit cards. You won't need Anything but that chip, and that chip, they'll just scan it. It's much like, the. it works like a radio frequency, much like um, those of you that have your pets chipped. Anybody here have their pets chipped? You have a little chip in the back? We had our pet chipped a long time ago just because um, that's the best way to keep them tracked and if he ever gets out. Uh, I'm not saying that's the mark of the beast, don't get me wrong, but it's going to be that type of technology, and we're gonna have it, And the Bible says that we will not be able to buy, sell, or trade without that mark. You will not be able to survive. You will not be able to exist. So what's the alternative? If you know, say for example, you're like the video, the guy gets left behind, and they're telling you to take this number, the Bible gives us this clear warning. If you take that number, do not pass go, you go straight to hell. You go straight to hell. You have no chance of redemption. Ever, ever, ever. So, God forbid that should be any of us. If we're ever at that point, if you don't remember anything, remember this, do not take that number. Do not. So again, Satan will cause people to take this number, to have control. He'll have one money system, which you and I know right now, that makes a lot of sense, to have one money system. I've mentioned it here before. Why have dollars, euros, you know, shekels and this and that, pesos when you can have one money system and not have to carry cash, not have to carry cards, you just scan it, right? It makes so much sense if we have one money system and the world is going to buy into that at that time. He's going to come with this economic plan and save this world. United States, you know, we're in major, major financial uh, tribulation already. We have major issues here in this country because we owe, we owe so much. And other countries have been bankrupt, you know, Greece and so forth. You you hear of these countries, so he's going to come with this economic solution and the countries of the world are going to want to buy into that. They're going to say, yes, that makes sense, that'll save our country. So they're easily going to be swayed into that. So again, he's here to cause deceit so that he can prosper and that he can ultimately be superior over everyone here. And the false prophet is this third member of this unholy triad. He, again, is a religious figure that is the Antichrist's right-hand man. He performs great signs, miraculous signs, the Bible says, in Revelation chapter 13. That's why the Bible says, when you see miracles, test them to see if they're a God. Test them. Make sure sure you test everything we say here by God, by His Word. If you're not doing that, you're not doing your due diligence. I challenge you, you need to. That's why you need to know His Word. You can't know Him and you can't know what's counterfeit or what's real if you don't know His Word. Amen? Amen. So again, here's my point. We're not waiting for the Antichrist to come. Oh no, God forbid. We're looking for the true Christ to come. We're looking for the real Jesus Christ to come in that rapture. That's what we believe is going to happen. That's the next great event that's going to happen. And the Bible says he'll deliver us from all the atrocities that are to come. Amen. Now here's where it gets terrible. The Bible mentions after the first three and a half years of these seven years, there's peace, and then all of a sudden, the Antichrist again is wounded fatally, mortally, then raised back up, and then he assumes the position of God. Control, economic, power is given to him. And this is when, at this point, God begins to pour out his judgments. Twenty-one judgments in the book of Revelation describes them as seven judgments of the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. Each of them are described as evil or just horrific judgments against the people of the world at that time. See again, going back to to Satan, he's in power at this time. His twofold purpose: be like God, destroy Israel. God says, enough is enough. Because how many know that at some point, God is going to say enough is enough, whether it's in the world or even in our lives. In our lives. He will tell you enough is enough. His spirit, the Bible says, will not strive with us. He'll come to a point where he'll say, okay, enough is enough. And he'll step back. He'll step back. And then when he steps away... Judgment happens. Judgment happens upon people and upon the people of this time. So uh, it's at this time that Gog and Magog, which I mentioned, modern Bible scholars describe that as the countries of Russia, up from the Black Sea, up in northern Europe at that point, coming down and invading Israel, because that's what the Bible describes. And we can see that easily happening in our day and age. We can truly see that. Let me read a scripture, and I believe you have this on your outline. Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. It says this, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And finally, verse 16. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And who's that describing? Jesus. Jesus. It's describing Jesus coming back to make war with Satan at that time. And and this is where... Armageddon, the Battle of Armageddon takes place and I mentioned to you that when I was in Israel they took us to a mountain and we could see what's called the Valley of Megiddo which is where this battle supposedly is going to take place. I don't say supposedly, it will take place. The, and it's, I mean, you can, it's miles and miles, you, can, you can't even see the end of this valley, it's so big. And the Bible says that the armies of the world will be gathered there and in fact, the casualties from this war of Armageddon will be so great, the Bible describes the blood of the casualties being as high as the bridle of a horse. That high in blood. So the carnage that's going to be left behind, the, the uh, soldiers that are going to be lost in it will be great. Because this will be the armies of the world coming to make war against Israel. And believe me, you don't want to be here at that time. You do not want to be here at that time. Armageddon at this time is the battle taking place. And this is what Jesus comes to destroy. He destroys Satan and all his armies that he has put together. Destroys them at this time. Armageddon is over. Those that devoted themselves to following Satan and the Antichrist have finally met their judgment day. And here's what happens. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 20. And this is the only verse in terms of judgment regarding the Antichrist and the false prophet. But, but check this out. It says, But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Okay? That's the place you and I don't want to go. But that place was was for the devil and his angels, and here the Lord is throwing the false prophet and the antichrist in there. Revelation chapter twenty verses one through three. Check this out. It says, and I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, referring to Satan himself, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, He must be set free for a short time, the Bible says. So right when you thought we got to the end of the end... So let me recapture, recap. The Lord has now thrown the Antichrist and the false prophet into this fiery lake, the lake of fire. And then he gets Satan himself, chains them, the Bible says, throws them into an abyss for a thousand years. And then the Bible says he sets them loose... Say, like, whoa, the very first time I heard that, it's like, why? Why would you do that? Lock him up, kill him, right? That's me. But God always has a plan. And see, here's the thing God desires, He desires worship and obedience. He'll never, ever force any of us to choose Him. How many know that this morning? He never chooses to force you, as I mentioned, to put a gun to your head. He'll never do that. God's a gentleman. He wants you to come of your own will. So what he does here is he locks Satan up for a thousand years and the world becomes repopulated again. So imagine the Lord coming down, just picture this, destroying the armies of the world at that time of Satan. Now the people that are surviving and left left behind they know now God's justice. They know God's judgment. They've seen God in action. Guess what their attitude is going to be? Yes, Lord. Anything you want. Yes, Lord. I'll be, yes, Lord. Right? You follow me? Yes. They're going to be right there. Yes, Lord. So, God's, God's, what He's trying to do is, Okay, earth, let's give you another chance. I'm going to give you some more mercy, some more grace. Let's see you prove yourself that you want to serve me. That you choose to do it out of your own will. He's wanting them to do that. So the Bible says for a thousand years, well, that's going to be next week. Come back next week. You don't want to miss it. I don't want to blow it. But we're going to capture that next week. So this morning as I close, here's what I want you to get out of those judgments though. The Bible clearly tells us that God is a holy God. Amen? He's a holy God, a righteous God. And with that holiness, he has a standard that he holds us accountable. Everybody say, accountable. Accountable. So, here's the thing. There's no greater crime than rejecting and mocking the love and grace that he pours upon us. Amen? Now, we all fail. I, I don't ever fail to say that here. We're all imperfect, including Pastor Rick, and we will make stupid choices at times. We will say things that we regret. And as believers, the Holy Spirit reminds us, Lord, uh, I need you. I need you to forgive me. Help me to be a better husband, a better father. Help me to be a a better um, minister. Help me to forgive my brother who I said something wrong to. You know, the Lord tells us that. But what I'm talking about here is, when we mock God and turn our back to God, whoa, I don't want to be that person. You need to be careful. Like Gregory in his testimony shared that his father was an atheist. He really was. He's told me that forever. And to see him now at the point on his essentially his deathbed receiving Christ, that's a miracle. But again, if he hadn't done that, to to turn your back to God... I don't want to be in your shoes, buddy. I don't want to be there. I know better. Amen? That's where we need to be extremely careful. So, so this morning, I want to remind you of an attitude check. I want to check my spirit, and I want you to check your spirit right now as, as I mention this. Are you happy that sinners will finally get the re- their reward? When you heard me talking about the tribulation and these judgments that God is going to bring out, and I didn't even touch on them because we could be here for weeks just describing those. But believe me, these twenty-one judgments that will be poured out—plagues, sores, uh, insects, locusts, and so forth—they're dramatic. They're great. They're—it's God's wrath. But does your heart rejoice when you hear that, saying, Yeah, they deserve it? They're getting their end, they're getting what 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 they reaped. Is that your heart, your spirit this morning? Or is it is your heart more like Christ? Does does it soften, does it does it sadden to know that they're gonna face an eternity without God? That they're gonna go to a place called hell that ain't no joke that's real does your heart feel for them your neighbors maybe loved ones that don't know Christ today do you have any pity on them or do you care do you even care your heart should be Lord how can I speak to them what can I do to share the gospel with them sometimes It it is just behaving in your actions, but we need to speak it. We need to declare it. We need to share with them what that gospel is. Do you burn with passion like Brother Gregory was describing this morning? He burns with passion, amen? Now, I don't expect every one of you to burn with passion like him. That's his calling. But do you have that passion to share God's word with others? Do you have that desire that none should perish? If you don't, you need to pray, you need to check your spirit, you need to check your attitude. Because nobody deserves hell. Nobody does. Other than Satan, nobody does. Here's what the comforting promise is. Here's his blessing. Which I mentioned at the outset and I'm going to mention it again. As believers, we take comfort in the following words of Jesus. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Is that the God you're serving today? Are you experiencing His peace because you've received and walked into this relationship with Him that you didn't have before, that you weren't born into? How can we let our co-workers, our family members walk this life, live this life without sharing that with them? Don't you think that's selfish of us to do that? We need to share God with others. Amen. And finally, God is our refuge. He's our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Whatever it is that you're facing, He's there with you. He promises to never leave you nor forsake you as believers. In all these things, the Bible says, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. With Him, we can overcome anything, church. This morning, I just want to pray for each of you this morning. And, and I pray that your spirit, when, you, when I ask you to do an attitude check, is it really wanting to, to speak to people or do you care? I pray that that's not you this morning. That you do care for for those that don't know Christ. But I just want—I'd like everybody just to come, just to come up around here, around these altars, and we just—I just want to pray as a, as a church this morning, as a corporate body. I want to pray for everyone here that we would grasp the importance of of knowing Christ in these last days. That we would be able to have and extend that same mercy upon our family members, upon our coworkers, that they would see and sense the sense of urgency that we have. How many know that we should have a sense of urgency in these last days? None of us have tomorrow promise. Not a one of us. Do today what you know is right. Do today what you know is right. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait next week. Do it today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, amen? Today is the day that God wants you to act. If you have that neighbor you want to share the gospel with, just go tell them. Tell them. And we have, we have tracks back here. We have those little pocket powers you can share with people. We have handouts there to give to people, to invite them to church. If you don't know what to tell them, invite them to church. I'll tell them. Amen? Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Oh God, we love You, Lord, we can't do life without You. Lord, we know that. We know we cannot do life without You. And Father, when I read these accounts in the Bible of what's gonna occur in the last days, Father, I'm thankful, first of all, that I walk in Your light, that I I walk in Your Word. I'm not perfect, Lord. I'm not perfect, no one here is. But Lord, we're gonna do our best to hear Your voice to obey your voice, and to do that one day at a time. And Lord, when we do that, you pour out your mercy, your grace, your favor upon us. And Lord, I pray that that mercy and grace would be extended upon our family members that don't know you, yes, yes. our co-workers that don't know you. Lord, those that we run into at the store that we get into conversation with that don't know you, Lord, give us wisdom and how to speak to them. May your Holy Spirit speak through us and give us boldness like we've never had before. Lord, the time is short. Your coming is near. We know that we sense that. But Father, I pray, make us your witnesses for your glory, for your honor. Empower each one here from my left to my right. Empower each one, Father, that they might be the witnesses that you desire in their life. Father, we love you. We need you this morning. I pray, God, your blessings upon the rest of this day for everyone here. And Lord, continue to meet every need. Lord, meet every need that we have here, spiritually, physically, relationally, Lord. And Lord, I just pray, continue to work on us. And again, my prayer is always help us to leave here changed, to leave transformed for your glory. And Father, again, we thank you. And Lord, I pray for those that couldn't be with us today. I pray your blessings upon them, each and every one. Lord, those that haven't been coming in a while, I pray your blessing upon those. As they come to our minds throughout the day, Lord, help us to remember them, to pray for them. And Lord, we thank you again for your presence, for your word, that we, we get to know you through your word. So we thank you for that today, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.